0: Dun <laughs>
1: and worship the Christ, the newborn King. 2.20,
2: I don't, for some reason I'm not on. Luke 2.20, am I coming through, guys? (sighs) The shepherds return. glory, there we go. (laughs) Now you can turn me down a little bit. Let's try it again. You want organization? Forget it today. <clears throat> the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things they had seen and heard, which were just, excuse me, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come together this morning and we can celebrate that wonderful event. And Father, we thank you that because of the birth of Jesus, we had a death, burial, and a resurrection that allows us to have eternal life through your son through your son Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning everyone. Good morning. It's Good to see you today. We're here to worship the Lord together and I'm glad that you've chosen to be with us. Please make sure you fill out your connection card for us. If you're watching online, we ask that you do the same. And at this time I'm going to turn things back to the praise team as we continue. Well, I'm not. Well, I keep thinking, uh, you got three minutes, so go say hi to somebody you haven't seen, please. Don't just congregate with everybody you know.
0: I have found a friend.
3: Mary did you know That your baby boy Would one day rule the nation Did you know That your baby boy Is heaven's perfect lamb And the sleeping child
2: Thank you for that special. Appreciate it, it's a beautiful song. You know, I remember when I was a kid, child, waiting for Christmas. I mean, it was, I'd go crazy till I was about 35. But anyway, uh, in my hometown, unlike the strip mall town we have here that I think whoever designed it, designed it like a strip mall. We actually have a town square and maybe many of you grew up in towns that had town squares and we even had a replica of the Statue of Liberty in our town square. And uh, of course the bad thing about it's where all the winos hang out. And I always tell my math teacher I wanted to be a wino one day, but uh, luckily I didn't obtain that height. But when, when Christmas was getting close, when we go on the square, we were waiting as kids because Santa's house was coming and his sleigh. And uh, we'd wait and wait and wait in his little tiny house. You've probably seen them. I think they have one in Wachuca city about the size of the little Santa house. And it was just a time of excitement because Santa was coming. My excitement and my anticipation grew each day. Every day that once they get that Santa house out and we'd go by the square, I'm like, yeah, Santa. I couldn't wait, man, because it was so exciting because I knew once I saw the big guy, no reference to anything else, but once I saw the big guy, (laughs) Santa would fulfill my hopes. I was gonna get the loot that I was desperately wanting. See, I grew up in a dark time like many of you did. In second service, they're not gonna believe this, but there was actually a time when as kids, we didn't get everything we wanted. We didn't get every single thing we wanted. But anyway, Christmas was a time of hope and joy abounded because, man, that stuff that I was wanting, it's going to happen. When you anticipate good things, if you ever had anticipation, other than anticipation of death, but anyway, it's a Stephen Seagal thing, but if you've ever anticipated good things, what happens? Joy overflows. As I've matured just a little bit over my years, my perspective has changed a little bit as my perspective on Christmas has matured. I used to get joy over Christmas thinking, my loot's coming. <laughs> Santa's gonna deliver the goods. But now my joy more it really comes more from giving. I mean, I love getting stuff, don't get me wrong, everybody does. <laughs> but more importantly, my joy flows from the fact that this holiday, no matter what the origins, represents to us the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what also that represents is the fact that this happened because God loved us so much that he wanted us to have the opportunity for eternal life. And our God is a God of love. He's also a God of justice. So his justice and his love have to be satisfied. And that was done through Jesus. There'd be no death, burial, and resurrection without an incarnation. When I hearken back to our main passage in Isaiah chapter 40, verses one through five, the nation of Israel was going through a very bad time. They were basically going kind of from captivity to captivity. Why? because they were were being disobedient, and God says, that's going to stop. He says, what you're not going to do is be disobedient to me and get away with it. In the midst of these dark times, though, God gave the nation hope. He gave them something to anticipate, something to look forward to. Anticipation can breed joy. Joy is something that transcends our station in life or the circumstances that we face because we know something coming is so great that the junk we deal with here in the big picture really doesn't matter. It doesn't take away the hurt and the pain and the difficulty, but in spite of that, we know there's something greater waiting. Jesus talked about joy and and, uh, happiness throughout his teaching. Jesus didn't go around. When I was a kid, I thought Jesus was a sad sack, a sourpuss. I thought God was just a big meanie. I thought all God wanted to do was punish me. But as I learn more about Jesus, and you look at his teachings, he really doesn't teach on hell very much. Boy, he spends a lot of time talking about joy and heaven. He Spends a lot of time about talking about the kingdom of God. And in his teaching, for instance, Matthew 5, commentator Michael Green, who's written many commentaries, says this about Jesus and joy. He says, it is as if Jesus is saying that life in the kingdom with him is a life of profound joy a joy that no person and no circumstance can take away and this blessedness is not reserved for some nebulous future it is for now it is for it is excuse me it is the mark of those who have really surrendered to the king and tasted his grace although the course although of course there is a future to rejoice in too so he's basically saying that as christians our joy is not just the fact that heaven's coming, but our joy is the fact that heaven's coming and that we get some, we, we're get we in Christ now. We can have a joyful life because of that anticipation of the life to come, but also we should have joy because of the life that we have now. Because even in difficult circumstances, even in difficult circumstances, who do you belong to? Who loves you? Tidings of comfort and joy. Joy is brought into the world through Jesus. If you study history, one of the things you'll see is this world... I mean, today it's rough, don't get me wrong, but boy, before Christ, it was dark. It was horrible. It was, ter- it was just terrible. And so even though the world is nowhere near perfect, Jesus brought joy into the world. And then we're going to have ultimate joy when it's all said and done. But God didn't want to just bring comfort and peace to the weary, but he also wanted us to have joy because of the salvation that God brings us through Jesus Christ. And Christmas is a time for joy, as every day should be. But Christmas particularly, this season should be a joyful time for us. The big idea to our message this morning is that the Christmas season is a time of joy. God wants his people to be joyful in their redemption. And we'll talk about that a bit. So we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to to start in verses 8 and 9. It says this in the second chapter. Now there were shepherds nearby living in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were absolutely terrified. Well, we're going to look at the shepherds encounter with joy. See, we've talked about this before, but the context of the shepherd's life makes this even more impressive because the shepherd's life was difficult. And because of the nature of their job, the religious leaders and the authorities of the temple had such strong negative views of shepherds that they wanted to keep them from participating in the religious ceremonies in Jerusalem. They wanted nothing to do with these guys. The Mishnah, which is a, a uh, written tra- uh, transcription of Jewish oral tradition, and it's authoritative in Jewish life, had some very unkind things to say about shepherds. It says that shepherds are incompetent, And if a shepherd falls into a pit, no one should feel obligated to rescue him. That's pretty rough. I mean, imagine being a person that when society looked at you and you were injured, you're told, eh, just ignore it. It's no big deal. They're not worth your time. This is how low these people were in the eyes of the religious leaders. Imagine being a shepherd in that society where the religious leaders thought this about you and taught this about you. I mean, these guys smelled like the sheep sheep too. And if you've been around sheep, you know, show sheep are a little different because they shampoo them up and make them look nice and shiny. But if you've been in a sheep pen, those boys don't, girls don't smell very good. The life of a shepherd is not one that was real joyful. They didn't have much to anticipate in life other well, we're going to hang out with the sheep. We're going to lay down our life for these sheep at times. We're going to fight off the animals that are going to come after the sheep. These guys are going to live a life with the sheep And they were going to die one day without any fanfare. They were going to to live with their sheep. They were probably going to die with their sheep. I think many people today live their lives in such a way that they have nothing to anticipate. They think this is all there is to it. This is as good as it gets. It's kind of like uh, if you've ever been in the situation you know you see people that have been raised in very very rough neighborhoods drug infested and normally a lot of times those people that live in those situations many times mimic it why you tell them hey go to college and you can go deep in debt and get a job that pays a little bit of money now (laughs) they see the drug dealers wheeling and dealing the big bucks and they're like well that's all i can do that's all that i have hope for because that's what everybody else You see this in the Indian reservations. It's really difficult because of the crabs in the bucket thing when people try to rise out of this situation of poverty, it's really hard to do it because their society's telling, no, you don't do that. And when you look at this, when you start living a life that way, guess what? It's not joyful. There's nothing to look forward to. Uh, In some nations where you're locked into your economic system, if you were born poor in India or some of these other places, you're gonna be poor your whole life. You're gonna be miserable your whole life because of you, you have no opportunity to change anything. And see, many people live their lives today. They live a life of existence, one that doesn't have a great anticipation of the future, much less the present. How do you look at your life? Do you wake up daily full of joy? Or when you wake up, do you wonder, what is God gonna do through my life today? What is God going to show me today? What is God going to teach me today? How is God going to use me today? (laughs) Or do you wake up wondering, why did I even wake up? There's a lot of people that live life that way. One can understand why a person without Jesus would exist this way. Because really, outside of Christ, what do you have to look forward to? Accumulate as much stuff as you can, make as big a carbon footprint as you can, and then die. That's pretty miserable. But when you're in Christ, we can't have that outlook on life. We have to wake up each day joyful, sore and pain probably, but yet joyful because of who we serve, because of who we are in him. See, the shepherds needed something to bring joy into their life, something that would bring some anticipation to their life. And during this time in Israel's history, of course, we all know that the Roman Empire controlled them. And for centuries, the nation looked forward to being delivered. The nation sought to be delivered from the clutches of Rome. And really, you can't blame them. Imagine if some country, China or something was taking over our nation. Um, We wouldn't like that. We wouldn't like that. We would be longing to get out of that. Many of us would be fighting to get out of that. We got weapons, so we got more than they've got. But the fact of the matter is, That was such a short-term view from the Jewish people. All they thought of was deliverance from a nation throughout their history. And God's got, had something so great they couldn't even imagine it. When they looked at Messiah, Messiah, as I said before, was a military leader, a government dictator leader, if you will, to lead the nation to greatness. Man, you are are short-changing God if that's how you see him. You're you're cheating yourself out of what God really has in store for you. See, one of the reasons sometimes that we even today lack anticipation in our life is because we anticipate so little from God. Maybe I have a troubled marriage and I think, well there's no way God can do anything about that. Maybe I've got other stuff going on in my life. Maybe I you know, well there's no way God can do anything that. We don't anticipate enough from our God. Does that make sense? And with little like Christmas, if I thought if I know what I knew then as I do as an adult now, and that, like I said, that came about 35, 40 years old, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have anticipated Christmas as a child like I did. You know, because you understand the real story, and I'm, I'm gonna be very delicate with that in the second service, because we have youngsters in there. But, um, but the fact of the matter is, we'd look at it and say, well, this is just gonna be another drain on the checkbook. We wouldn't have that anticipation. And see, when you look at God and you, and you picture him as doing something small in your life, big deal. What do you expect from God? See, the nation didn't expect much from him, really. Well, but he sure had more to offer. Because of their circumstances, the nation was short-sighted. They thought joy would come from deliverance from Rome. Now, don't get me wrong. Being delivered from Rome for them would be great. But see, every time, how many times did God deliver the nation through their history? Just look at the book of Judges. But yet, why did they slip back into the same pattern? Because their ultimate joy wasn't going to be found in deliverance from another nation. They needed a deeper deliverance that they were not anticipating, that they weren't even looking forward to. See, what God wanted to give them, and what God wants to give you, is total freedom sin, and he wants to give you eternal life. Man, when you think about life and a lot of the miseries we face, how much of it's caused by our own sin, the sin of others, or just sin in general? And to be free from that bondage is liberating. It's amazing. Here's a group of shepherds, basically outcasts of society. When this night began, it was like an ordinary night. They're with the sheep in the field. They're guarding them at night, and then all of a sudden, this ordinary night became something extraordinary, a night that would change their lives forever, a night they would never forget. An angel of the Lord appeared. Now, think about that. Do you think if that happened in your life, you'd remember that? You know, everybody says, I want to see a sign. Well, here's your sign. <laughs> Hi, I'm an angel of the Lord. You yeah. um, what were these men thinking when this happened? I mean, when this first happened, you know, there were many things that probably was running through their mind. One was astonishment. The, the, the sudden appearance of these angels would have left the shepherds in awe and wonder. They might have been taken aback by this extraordinary sight, the radiant glory that surrounded these the heavenly messenger. They'd never seen anything like this before. Obviously, fear and apprehension, fear gripped them. The shepherds, upon encountering this supernatural event, it says they were Not just a little scared; they were terrified. The overwhelmingly presence of the the divine sparked a sense of trepidation within them. And when you look out through Scripture, whenever God kind of appeared in some way, or the angels, people were not like, "Oh, look, it's an angel!" They're, "Oh gosh, it's an angel! (laughs) Oh, get away from me!" You know, Isaiah and all. You know, you see this throughout Scripture. Verse nine says these guys were terrified. They probably were thinking there's questions and there's confusion. I mean, these are shepherds for heaven's sakes. Why would an angel of the Lord appear to a lowly shepherd that nobody likes? They had to be puzzled and perplexed, thinking, what is this? They might have wondered why these beings chose to reveal themselves to just these nasty shepherds. I'm surprised the angel didn't go, woo, y'all smell like sheep. (laughs) I mean, this was rough. But then, hope and anticipation, that had to be running through their mind. Amidst their terrified fear and their confusion, they might have felt a glimmer of hope and a glimmer of expectation. They might have wondered if this extraordinary event held significant, had, a, had, had significance, a divine purpose that could change their lives and change the world. They also had reverence and surrender, recognizing the divine nature of the angels. They might have felt compelled to bow down in reverence and reverence and humbly humble themselves before these messengers. They would have understood that they were in the presence of something special. And then finally, this for them, we know this was, was the case. It was a spiritual awakening. This, this event sparked something within them because we see later what they do. They took off said, let's go check this out. And they came back rejoicing, praising the Lord. It was a pivotal moment in their lives. This curiosity and eagerness followed them. They had that strong desire to go see what the angels told them. I don't think it was like, well, we don't believe it, but it's like, we got to see this. I mean, God sent his angels to talk to us about this. We're going to go check it out. This is going to be amazing. And then that gratitude and that wonder, despite their initial fears, they had to feel overwhelmed with gratitude, thinking God came to us The religious leaders, nah, 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 you know, he didn't go to you, he came to us. Y'all think we're terrible, but God doesn't think so. They would have marveled at such a privilege. These thoughts would have been a whirlwind of emotions that hit them when the the angel appeared. They had to be just confused and a whole bunch of stuff going through their mind. And you know, the shepherds had an encounter with joy. And you know, it says that they were afraid, that they were terrified. I think a lot of times in in life, people struggle with coming to Christ because they're scared. They may live a miserable life, but they know that misery. And I've talked to many people that have basically more or less said that. And um, (laughs) embracing hope and anticipating joy and having joy in your life, you would think that's a no brainer but it's not. It can be very terrifying for people because of the change that's going to come. Have you encountered joy in your life? Or is your life just boring and ordinary? You know, many times people will church hop and they'll always talk about, I've heard the exact words, well, the spirit wasn't there. The spirit wasn't there. And I'm thinking, well, you know, the spirit seems to leave everywhere you go. I don't know what the deal is here. But many people are looking for that to get out of a rut, to get to some excitement. say, oh, we're going to change churches. And, And sometimes that needs to happen. I understand that. But a person that's habitually doing this, see, they're looking for something and they're looking in the wrong place because your joy and your devotion and your faith in Christ isn't going to necessarily spring forth from the church. It's got to come from your heart and from your joy and from your anticipation of God. And sometimes people rely on everybody else to give it to them. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, <laughs> Do not be afraid. Listen carefully. For I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all people. Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. So now the angels have had this, or excuse me, the shepherds had this encounter with joy. Now the angel's going to say, Here's why you're going to be joyful. The angel, first of all, saw these guys were terrified, and he, came, he tried to calm them. He says, don't be afraid. And as I said earlier, I think a lot of people do reject Jesus out of fear. I think they like the idea, but they're scared of the process. And it's kind of like uh, a lot of us <laughs> that struggle with our weight would like to look a certain way, and it really sounds good, but then it's like, when I have to actually push myself away from the table, when I actually have to turn down certain cookies, certain things, all of a sudden it's scary because maybe I've drawn my comfort from those things. Maybe when I'm stressed, I'm eating. Maybe when I'm happy, I'm eating. Maybe when I'm in the pulpit, I'm thinking about eating. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe eating's more important to me in my life than it should be, and letting go of that's fearful. It's scary now. The thing I got to tell myself is, if I buy a small meal, which to to be honest with the day, I probably won't, because I'll only eat one meal today. But um, sometimes I had to think, you know, if I buy that smaller meal, if I'm still hungry, I can buy more. You know. But anyway, a lot of times people are rejecting Jesus because of fear. Following Jesus is unknown. (laughs) No matter how miserable one's life is, they know how that works. They know they get up each day and they're miserable. They know they get up each day and they're, you know, their life's a mess. To be honest with you, when I was going to give my life to Jesus, I was afraid. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't think that I could live up to it. Still don't. But by God's grace, you can. Most, for most people, when we seek an encounter with God, it's intimidating. We've become Fearful. And the enemy plays on that fear. You're not worth it. You really need to go see the shift, it's really good. He does a good job showing that. Look what you just did, God can't love you. Oh yeah, look at you singing these songs to God but you can't even treat your wife right. You're a good Christian. Or you treat these other people this way, or you're thinking those thoughts, you're a really good Christian. See, I feared letting God down. In my life, to be honest with you, my biggest fear has been failure. I don't want to fail. Um, When I get challenged with something, typically I try to rise up to it. But I also feared change. There's a lot of fear and a lot of times, I don't know why you won't accept Jesus, look at your life, fear. what did the angel do before he gave the message? Calm down guys, it's okay. And many times when we're trying to deliver Jesus to people, you got to know they're afraid. And sometimes when you're afraid, you know, you see, you're hurt. You have see an animal that you love that's hurt. Sometimes they'll bite you because they're afraid. And so one of the first things we really need to do with people is say, hey, calm down. Not quite those words. It's going to be okay. Fear not. The angel sees that fear, and before he delivers the message, he seeks to calm them. Was the appearance of the angels alone the reason for joy? No. It's kind of like Operation Christmas Child. Um, I think all of us in here know that the purpose of OCC is not the gifts, it's the gospel. And that's one of the reasons I so love supporting it. I'm glad as a church we support it so well because it's the gospel, it's not the gifts. Now, see, for these guys, it would have been so easy to just say, Joy, look, we saw an angel. Wow. The angel says, that's cool. But here's the reason for your joy. He says, the angel says, I'm bringing good news that brings great joy to who? To all people. The good news is that the Savior, Jesus Christ, was about to be born into this world. The Savior was about to be born to redeem mankind, to deliver people from their bondage, and to give them eternal life. As a Christian, the message of Jesus should be the source of our joy. When we seek to tell others about Jesus, our focus needs to be on the message of Jesus, not about the band or the praise team is awesome at my church, not about we've got a, we, we, we really worship in a cool looking building, and we've got a great, son, we got a great uh, uh, screen up there. Man, it's, sometimes if we're not careful, we get all about the trappings and forget about the message. The message is what's important. The church, the screens, the music, it's all part of it. It's a part of it. But the message is what brings joy. These other things will bring happiness, but the message is what brings joy. The angel said the good news that would bring great joy was Jesus. He didn't say, the said, Hey, you know what? We got a great temple over here in Jerusalem, and man, that's going to bring you some joy. Yeah, check it out. He says, Jesus is coming. And that's the message we need to give to people Jesus is here. The good news was not a church program. It was not a self-help program. It was Jesus. And as a church, that's what our focus has to be, Jesus. We need to take the message that Jesus was born on that wonderful day, that he lived a life, that that he lived a sinless life, that he was crucified, that he died for our sins, and more importantly, he didn't lay in that tomb. He rose on the third day, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. We need to seek to win people to Jesus, not to anything else. There are times when people in church get upset over trivial things. We focus, but if we focus on the reason for our joy, Jesus, those things are no longer a problem. Yeah, things got to be dealt with. I get that. But I've seen people get red, red on fire mad over, I don't know, putting color, different color carpet in a church, you know, Okay, your church color may be tacky. I've been in some churches, man, that's tacky. But you know what? Who cares? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I understand you don't want to have your building be a distraction. I get that, because I couldn't get the purple carpet I wanted when we did the carpeting. But anyway, it's got a little bit in it, I think. But no, our facility is beautiful. But the fact of the matter is, when we're focused on Jesus, those things that we think are so important are no longer important. They need to be corrected but they're not the focus of why we're here. They're not the focus of why we're here. I had a when in my last church, we sang the doxology. You look it up. Praise God from all blessings flow. I, I used to know, I can't quote it off the top of my head because my mind is gone. But we did it every single Sunday. And I had a bunch of people come, you know, we, 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 don't, we, we don't need to do this every Sunday. I said, you know what? I agree with you. Yeah. First Sunday, we took it out. Guess what happened? Everybody stood and started singing it, even though it wasn't on the screen. And then I had people, when we quit doing it, say, you know, I just didn't feel like I was worshiping today without that song. And I'm like, really? So a song is going to determine if you've worshiped the Lord. Really? Where's your focus? Where's your focus? See, the angel said, the reason for joy is Jesus. Good old Isaiah spoke about the Messiah many times, 700 years before it happened. In Isaiah 51, 11 and 12, he says, those whom the Lord has ransomed will return. They will enter Zion with a happy shout. An ending joy will crown them. Happiness and joy will overwhelm them. Grief and suffering will disappear. I, I am the one who consoles you. Why are you afraid of mortal men, of mere human beings who are as, a, as short-lived as grass? 700 years before 700 plus years before through the prophet isaiah god says i'm bringing a savior and when you look at the phrasing here he's not talking about deliverance from babylon or anything else he's talking about the ultimate joy and that jesus will free us from our sins verse 11 says that an unending joy will crown us that grief and suffering will disappear does that sound a little familiar you ever read the book of revelation it's in there let's move to our final thought the impact of joy the impact of joy the message that the angel brought brought great joy to the shepherds and it impacted them in a profound way to do something it's one thing to say man i heard that gospel message i heard that sermon i read that bible and then you think man good but then nothing changes see when the angel was done what these guys do when you read further into the gospel of Luke, you'll find that say, hey, we need to see this. They left their fields. They did something. Why? The message of joy should move us to do something. It should move us to change. These shepherds are ready to change them. And by the way, in fairness to the Jewish leaders, I'd read some things about shepherds and that they said, many of them were kind of nefarious, dishonest. And so, Is it the chicken or the egg that came first? Were they dishonest because they were just dishonest? Or did they think, well, you know what? They think we're terrible anyway, so who cares? I don't know. But these men were changed. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 20, So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was the way, was just as they had been told. See, when we encounter Jesus, we should never be the same. The shepherds would, spend, would spread the good news because they were impacted to do something. Joy is a transformational force in our lives. Our faith and our trust in God will grow as our joy grows. We express that joy through worship and through celebration. One thing I can never understand is a Christian who has to think about coming to church each week, In other words, you wake up and decide, well, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? Well, it's Saturday. I was up a little late. And, And I get being sick, and some people work funny shifts. Whereas, you know, I get that. But the fact of the matter is, if you have joy in Jesus in your life, why wouldn't you want to come together with other people who do to celebrate and worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Listen, I love Cardinal baseball. Man, I love Cardinal baseball. Even when they stunk last year, I was, I, it was real rough because I felt kind of like a Cubs fan, but, you know, uh, it was a tough season. But you know what? When I was home, if I'd have had tickets, I'm going. And to, to, to prove that, in the 70s, I used to go watch them when they were horrible. So anyway, um, I want to be in that ballpark with other fans. Fortunately for me, of course, I don't have to go clear to Bush Stadium. I can go to Bush Stadium of the West. It's in Phoenix, because when I go see the Cardinals there, there are more Cardinal fans than D-back fans. But Although now that D-back's did some winning, maybe that'll change. But anyway, it's fun to be with others who love what you love. You know, we love going off-roading. We're going to get ready to go to off, on our off-road adventure in, in January, second Saturday in January. We're going to meet at church at 8, leave at 8.30, going to, going to the fort, make sure you have your fort pass. But anyway, um, man, it's fun. It's fun to be around other people who love what you love. See, if, if you love Jesus... Why don't you want to be with others who do? We broadcast our stuff. We, we were doing it well before COVID. And the reason we do it is for people who are sick, people who are shut in. Um, we've had, we had soldiers. We used to get a lot of them coming through here, but since COVID, that's not been quite the case. That would be all over the world that would tune into our broadcast because they felt a connection. What it was never meant to be is so you can just sit home in your pajamas and do nothing because that's selfish Christianity, folks. I'm not talking about being sick and stuff, but just sitting home each week. I'm just going to sit at home in my PJs and watch Jerry and eat some popcorn or whatever. It's not a show. It's about coming together and spreading and sharing that joy with one another. And your presence may change somebody's life. You don't know that, but when you're sitting at home in front of the TV, when you should should be here, you can't change somebody's life. You just won't. You won't impact other people. At that point, if we're not careful, it becomes about what I want, how I want to do it, and blah, 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 instead of about everything else and everyone else. An impact of the good news on our life should also impact how we treat other people. We need to be loving, we need to be kind, we need to be gracious, because that's what we're supposed to be in Christ. (laughs) I know when I was a kid, I can't speak for anybody else, but nothing could compare to the joy and the excitement of Christmas morning. My brother and I, you know, dad would tell us, you guys got to go to bed, and we would just like, we're going to stay up all night, and we're going to see Santa Claus come to the house, you know? But man, inevitably, about 5 a.m., and I'm not an early morning person, but on Christmas, this boy was up. We'd bolt into the tree. It's almost like if you've ever seen a Christmas story, which I don't know who hasn't ever seen, hasn't seen that. That's that, that, man, we couldn't wait to get under the tree and start ripping the presents open. Huh. When we try to understand joy, think of the happiness and the freedom that, we used to ex- that we'd used that we experience in Christmas. God wants us to experience that same kind of joy for what he's done in our life. Our application point is this, we will be people of joy knowing that we're redeemed through Christ. Don't let anyone or anything cheat you out of the joy that we're to have in Jesus. This morning, our praise team is going to come and lead us in a song of decision. <laughs> if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior we're going to give you that opportunity you know when we can experience a lot of happiness and and things make us happy in this life but to experience the peace and the joy that God wants you to experience you're going to only experience that through Christ and if you're just existing today you need to be doing more than that because life is short my friends and as I look at myself I know it's getting shorter and shorter so that today is a good day to give your life to Christ, to experience that freedom and that joy that he gives you. So if you need to make that decision, we invite you to come forward this morning. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. If you're struggling, you need some prayer, come forward. I'd be glad to pray with you or one of our elders, Roger Wood. But this time, let's stand together and sing our song of decision.
1: How shall this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This point in our worship service <clears throat> we're faced with what might be called a contradiction. This is the Christmas season, and our thoughts are centered around Jesus' birth. However, the Lord's Supper, the communion, um, on the other hand, reminds us of his death. Actually, remembering his death might seem more important at the Easter season than it does at the Christmas season. But let's think about it. Thinking about his death at this time of year is really not a contradiction at all. There was no room for him in the inn, but there was plenty of room for him on the cross. His birth was in an ugly place, so was his death. A star came to brighten his birth. The lights went out completely at his death. He was born in a borrowed manger, and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. There really is an interesting correlation between both his birth and his death between these two events. We really can't understand the one without understanding the other one. The birth would be meaningless without his death. The manger, the humble birth, and all that is connected with it would be of no value whatsoever without the pain and the agony of his death and there could not have been a death if there had not been a birth so here at the communion table our thoughts go back to his birth but they go back also to his death as well and in between we remember his life his teaching his miracles Think about that as you partake today. There was one who was willing to die in my stead that a soul so unworthy might live. And the path to the cross he was willing to tread, all the sins of my life to forgive. The path started in Bethlehem and ended on the cross all for us. Thank him for walking that path. Thank him for going from Bethlehem to the cross. Lord God, we thank you not just for the death of Christ, but also for his birth, because we know that without one, there could not be the other. We come to thank you, even for everything in between those two events, for all that he said, for all that he did, for all that he was, for all that he is. Help us to remember that.
2: Christmas music up here, but no bulletin. Sorry about that. On the inside of your bulletin, we have our announcements for this week. Uh, we Today, if you're on the missions ministry team, we have a meeting at four o'clock today. We have a lot to cover, so make sure you're there for that. Young at Hearts having their Christmas party bloodbath, and um, <laughs> it is so much fun to watch all that go on. Um, so make sure if you're gonna be there and, and you wanna participate in the gift exchange, bring a gift to $20 or less, and uh, we'll meet at noon. Uh, Christmas Eve service is going to obviously take place on December 24th at 6 p.m. Uh, Lori's getting her Joy of, of, of Living Bible Study starting up again in January. 2024 24 offering envelopes are on the back table. What we're asking you to do is once 2024 hits, don't use your old ones. Particularly for some people we had to change numbers because we don't have as many envelopes now because more people are given electronically. So please make sure that you do that or else you'll confuse our treasurer if you uh, use your old ones when you have a new number. Jerry has all of his groups this evening. We don't have any adult or teen studies this week. And I think that's all the announcements we have. Oh, thank you. Uh, there are core 52 books on the table. If you attend this church, we ask that you grab one for family. But if you, in a situation where you need two for two adults, that's fine. We have, I think we have enough. Uh, don't pick them up for people that don't come to church and everything else because we don't have enough for that. But if somebody wants one, let me know. I'll send them a link where they can get it on Amazon. So they're back on the back table next to the offering envelopes. So, all right. Um, on the back of our, of our bulletins, we have our prayer concerns. Uh, if you go on to... Uh, if you go on to Cool Online FM, for those of you who go on Facebook, a few days ago, Don posted a uh, Sean or Seth Baldwin was on TV uh, talking about the tornado they went through and the blessings, uh, some of the blessings that even came out of that. So I encourage you to watch that. Be in prayer for their family in that area as they recover from that. We're also grateful for our ministry team leaders. Uh, you've been a real blessing, and your dedication and service to the Lord doesn't go unnoticed. And we're so, so thankful because we couldn't do what we do without, without, those, without those folks. We have many people with health concerns that we've been praying for. We've got a lot of situations that we're praying for around the world and locally. We also have troops who are deployed. We're praying for our shut-ins. I know Joe had a procedure, uh, I think Thursday or Friday, can't remember now, but she, the last I heard, she's doing fine, and so we're thankful for that. We're praying for all the outreaches that we have uh, listed in our bulletin, and also for TCMI. That's the mission we've been focusing in on this month. So at this time... Let's stand together. I'll give you a moment to lift up your hearts to the Lord in prayer, and then we will uh, I'll have a closing prayer. So, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that we could be together today. And I pray, Lord, that we live life this week with joy and anticipation of what you're going to do and the blessings we have in you. And I pray, Lord, that that we take the message to those around us and that we calm their fears and tell them the great news about Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen.